Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, anger over a deadly police shooting in Atlanta. Protesters have taken to the streets demanding justice for 27-year-old Rashad Brooks, killed by two bullets in the back. His family tonight with an emotional plea. Not only are we hurt, we are angry. When does this stop? What we're learning tonight about the officer who could now face murder charges. Landmark decision. The Supreme Court says employees cannot be fired for being gay or transgender. Tonight, the conservative justice who played a pivotal role. Rallying cry. The president says he won't be COVID shamed into canceling his Tulsa rally this weekend as the health director there pleads with the White House to postpone it. As coronavirus cases spike, the new warning tonight from major airlines about wearing a mask. Plus, several NFL players test positive for the virus. Political theater. A former U.S. Marine is sentenced to 16 years in a Russian prison for espionage. Why American officials are calling the trial a mockery of justice. Cyber stalking charges. Six employees from eBay allegedly harassed a couple, sending threats and a bloody pig mask after they posted an online newsletter criticizing the company. And virtual visits with nursing homes locked down. FaceTiming with family has never been more important. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin tonight with anger and outrage after the death of another black man in police custody. Atlanta is bracing for more protests and the city's mayor is ordering new rules for officers tonight. After Rashad Brooks was shot and killed by police and all of it was caught on tape. 
The 27-year-old was asleep in his car at a Wendy's drive-through when he was approached by police on Friday night. Brooks asked if he could walk home, but after failing a sobriety test, officers tried to cuff him. He was shot twice in the back when he grabbed one of the officer's tasers and took off running. Tonight, the officer who shot Brooks has been fired. The city's police chief has stepped down, and prosecutors say they will decide by Wednesday whether to file charges. Today, demonstrators rallied at Georgia's state capitol after a weekend of protests in Atlanta, including the burning of the Wendy's where the shooting happened. It all comes as the Supreme Court handed down a landmark civil rights decision today, saying it is illegal to fire someone for being gay or transgender. Justice Neil Gorsuch, who was appointed by President Trump, wrote the opinion for the majority, which overturns laws in more than half of all states and extends workplace rights to millions of LGBTQ Americans. Well, there's a lot of news to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Mark Strassman is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Atlanta. Mark. Nora, what many in this community now want is accountability, justice. Will the officer who shot Rayshad Brooks be charged? And will that charge be murder? I'm not causing any problems. Rayshad Brooks seemed cordial but confused. Two white Atlanta cops answered a call about a man passed out in his car at a Wendy's drive-thru. I had one drink. What kind of drink was it? A margarita. But Brooks failed a field sobriety test. After roughly 40 minutes, the moment turned deadly. In the ground fighting, Brooks wrestled away a taser and ran. Officer Garrett Rolfe chased him. Brooks running fired the taser wildly. Rolf responded, three gunshots, killing Brooks. The medical examiner found Brooks had two gunshot wounds in his back. The shooting was a homicide. By then, Atlanta had erupted. Protesters choked off a highway and squared off against riot police. Someone torched the Wendy's. Brooks's family was still grieving today. I just want y'all to know that y'all took my cousin, y'all took the wrong person. Brooks had four kids with his wife, Tamika Miller. They said, well, Miss Miller, we sorry to tell you I just dropped to my knees. Because once I heard, I'm sorry to tell you I knew nothing. It was nothing good. What do you want now for justice? I want them to go to jail. It was murder that was not justified. Officer Rolfe in particular seems to be staring at significant felony charges. The taser that Brooks was holding is not considered a deadly weapon, and he was shot twice in the back. Nora? Mark Strassman in Atlanta, thank you. Atlanta's mayor says she's ordering a series of reforms in the wake of Brooks's death, including requiring police to de-escalate situations. The changes come as there are new questions about what could and should have been done to spare Brooks's life. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard explained his decision on whether to bring charges will come down to if the officers believed that even as he was running away, Rayshard Brooks posed a threat. Did you have to shoot him to save your life or to save somebody else's life at the time the shots were fired? Investigators have been closely examining the tape and say the critical moment is when the shots are fired. 
Should the officers have felt threatened by that taser? It's not a lethal weapon, it's a non-lethal weapon. Use of force cases aren't clear-cut, even when there is video. But I've seen many, many uh, police-involved use of force videos, and I haven't seen one yet that didn't look bad. Jason Johnson is the former deputy commissioner of the Baltimore City Police Department. Based on what you see in that tape, was use of force necessary? Was it necessary? Probably not necessary. However, the big caveat is that um, if, if he was able to use a taser, there's always a the potential he could incapacitate the officer. Howard says these types of cases further erode public trust. People from our community, my own son, they do not trust the police. Your own son? Doesn't trust the police. Uh, my son, who's 25, came and asked me. He said, uh, Daddy, are the police going to do something to me? A newly released disciplinary report shows that Officer Rolf fired his gun at least on two occasions prior to Friday night shooting. In fact, in one case in 2017, he was getting given a written reprimand. He also crashed his squad car on more than one occasion. A top union official for police officers tells me that in recent months he'd undergone about eight hours of de-escalation training. Nora. Jeff Pegues, thank you. For years, the term married on Sunday Fired on Monday was a rallying cry for advocates of LGBTQ rights in the workplace. Tonight, those advocates are celebrating after the Supreme Court ruled the 1964 Federal Civil Rights Act protects employees from being fired for being gay or transgender. Here's CBS's Jan Crawford. There was a quiet moment of joy at the court over the landmark ruling that extends the promise of the Civil Rights Act to millions of LGBTQ employees. And supporters quickly took to Zoom, reacting with jubilation. Today is a landmark victory for LGBTQ equality. Today's decision expands the American promise of liberty and justice for all. I'm elated. Before today's decision, only 22 states outlawed employment discrimination based on sexual orientation and or gender identity, leaving gay employees like Gerald Bostock of Georgia with no protection. I was fired for being gay. A social worker, Bostock, sued. Today's ruling bears his name. This decision ensures that no one will have to go to work fearful of losing their job because of who they are, who they love, or how they identify. The first major gay rights decision for the newly conservative court came as a surprise to many. Conservative Justice Neil Gorsuch, joined by fellow conservative Chief Justice John Roberts and the court's four liberals, wrote, the language of the Civil Rights Act makes clear, an employer who fires an individual merely for being gay or transgender defies the law. Dissenting justices said that was never understood to be a part of the 1964 law, and changes should come from Congress, not the courts, even in the hard cases, Justice Brett Kavanaugh wrote, when we might prefer a different policy outcome. Now, the Trump administration had argued that the 1964 Federal Civil Rights Act did not cover this kind of workplace discrimination. But late today, the president said, and I quote, we live with the decision of the Supreme Court, calling it very powerful. Nora. Jan Crawford, thank you. More than 200,000 people will most likely die from coronavirus in the U.S. by October 1st. 
That dire new forecast from one of the leading research models on the virus comes as 20 states are seeing increases in the average number of new infections each day. In nearly half of those states, there are more patients being treated in hospitals than there were at the start of the month. Here's CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. Health experts' concerns are growing as quickly as the crowds, from New York City to Orlando to Nashville, where Kid Rock's honky-tonk on Broadway was cited for not enforcing social distancing. Texas has seen hospitalizations rise more than 50% since Memorial Day. A lot of people around this area just were very complacent and they were ready to get out of their homes. Beth Cordova, a nurse in Houston, and five of her family members are currently fighting the virus. I was literally terrified because I just didn't know. I mean, you read so many horror stories, but I am worried about it reopening because our cases here have exploded just in the last two weeks. Multiple Houston Texans and Dallas Cowboys players, including Zeke Elliott, have reportedly tested positive. As Florida reopens, daily new case totals have set records. Jackson Health, one of the state's largest health systems, says it's seeing a significant increase in COVID-19 patients. We had started to level off and we have started to open up and now we are starting to see a spike. The rise in patients comes as the FDA rescinded an emergency authorization for use of hydroxychloroquine, a drug touted by President Trump as a possible treatment, saying it was unlikely to be effective. Cases and deaths are trending down in several states, including New York. But given crowds, including protesters, Governor Andrew Cuomo warned shutdowns could happen again. We are the exception. We don't want the same plight of these other states. In another sign of concern about reopenings and new cases, the main lobby group for the nation's airlines said carriers will strictly enforce mask wearing, including possibly revoking the flying privileges of passengers who do not comply. On a separate note, Nora, next year's Oscars will be delayed by two months. All right, Manny Bajorquez, thank you. Tonight, President Trump is rejecting concerns that his upcoming campaign rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Saturday will expose his supporters to COVID-19. The president's also trying to stop the release of John Bolton's upcoming book. His former national security advisor is expected to level harsh criticism at the president. CBS's Ben Tracy reports tonight from the White House. Despite the recent spike in coronavirus cases, President Trump says he won't be shamed into canceling his campaign rallies and is still planning to pack an arena in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Saturday. He claims one million people have requested tickets. It's an amazing nobody's ever heard of numbers like this. I think we're going to have a we're going to have a great time. But with infections on the rise in Tulsa, the head of the city's health department calls the rally dangerous and wants the president to postpone it. If you really want to stay safe, I, I, we recommend not to go and put yourself in, in an enclosed space. The Trump campaign says it will do temperature checks and provide hand sanitizer. Masks will be handed out, but they won't be mandatory. And social distancing in the arena, which holds nearly 20,000 people, is unlikely. Meanwhile, President Trump is threatening to sue his former national security adviser, John Bolton, over his tell-all book due out next week. If he wrote a book and if, it, if the book gets out, he's broken the law. The White House claims the book contains classified material, 
Bolton says it does not. I will consider every conversation with me as president highly classified. Earlier today, the administration called on Russia to immediately release former U.S. Marine Paul Whelan. Nothing's translated, Your Honor. I don't know what you said. A Russian court convicted him of espionage Monday and sentenced him to 16 years in prison. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo called it an outrage and accused the Russians of conducting a secret trial with secret evidence. Here at the White House tomorrow, President Trump will sign an executive order on policing. Now, this will call for more training when it comes to the use of deadly force in a database to track officer complaints. The president will also meet with black families that have been impacted by police violence. Nora. Ben Tracy, thank you. We turn now to California, where the FBI is joining the investigation into the death of an African-American man by hanging. It happened just days after another black man was found hanging from a tree in California. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. Tonight, investigators in full retreat, walking back early claims that 24-year-old Robert Fuller, found hanging from a tree, died by suicide. Initially, uh, there wasn't any evidence that led us to believe that there was anything other than a suicide, but we felt we should look into it a little more deeply and carefully, just considering all the circumstances. Exactly what circumstances isn't clear, except for days of protests and contentious town hall meetings. And I also ask that we stop talking about lynchings. Fuller's sister calls it a rush to judgment. And we just want to know the truth. The sheriff's department first called Fuller's death a suicide while homicide detectives were still investigating. Palmdale officials went so far as to link it to COVID-19 related depression without evidence. He was not suicidal. Um, he had no mental illnesses and we don't want that to be implied. An autopsy has also been ordered in another suspicious death. 38 year old Malcolm Harsh was found hanging from a tree in neighboring San Bernardino County. His family also demanding answers. And friends of Fuller worry that the scene has been compromised now that this park has been open to the public. Investigators did recover a rope noose from the tree. It's now being analyzed off site for DNA. Nora. Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you. A U.S. Air Force pilot was killed today in an F-15 crash during a routine training mission, according to military officials. The jet, based in northeast England, went down in the North Sea. The pilot's body was later recovered. No one else was aboard. Officials say they will not release the pilot's name until family has been notified. Six former eBay employees are accused of weaponizing the Internet by harassing a Massachusetts couple who ran an online e-commerce newsletter. The U.S. attorney claims the harassment included the home deliveries of a bloody pig's head mask, a box of live cockroaches and spiders, and a book titled Grief Diaries Surviving the Loss of a Spouse. Well, eBay's former director of safety and security has been charged, and two other unnamed executives not currently charged are mentioned in the filing. At a time when the country is reopening and many of us catch up with friends, America's most vulnerable remain stuck behind locked doors, often alone. Many states are still restricting visits in nursing homes, and families worry about infecting elderly relatives. For CBS's Chip Reed, it's personal. Hi, Mom. Oh, goodness. Oh. How are you? I'm good. Oh. 
so glad to see you. I recently surprised my 89-year-old mother with her first call on Zoom. It was the first time we had seen each other since March, when Forwood Manor Nursing Home in Delaware stopped allowing visitors. Across the nation, senior care facilities are on lockdown, leaving those inside more isolated than ever, and caretakers looking for ways to keep loneliness at bay. At the Hebrew home in Riverdale, New York, 97-year-old Yvette Frank says FaceTiming with family is the high point of her day. Beth Teitelman is her niece. She's kind of like the warrior in chief. And so for her to see that we're really okay, we're not just saying it on the phone, but we're really okay, I think is very reassuring. If you did not have FaceTime, what would life be like for you? Well, it would be a lot more boring. We've received over a thousand requests since we began in early March. And the Hebrew home's Melissa Estevez says connecting with families has significantly improved the mood here. It's really brought a lot of joy into the home during this time. At a time when joy is hard to come by. I miss you. Please tell me I'll see you soon. You will. Chip Reed, CBS News, Washington. I think we're going to have to share that reunion with you. And on tomorrow's CBS Evening News, we'll look at the science behind the recommendation to wear masks and why you should open a window, too. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Stay safe and good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.